This morning we're going to be over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're still looking at these as the aspects of what faithfulness is to God as far as the giftings and the things that He has put on the inside of us. That in me, God has given me some gifts, some callings, given me some things to do. We divided the faithfulness of God into three areas. First is those things that are not me, those things that are outside myself. That is the truth, and that is other people. The second one was those things God has entrusted to me, and the third we'll get into, not sure if it's next week or the week after, and those things that are my own actions, those things that are just me. No one else is responsible for that faithfulness but you. But if you're up on Facebook, we asked you this question. When was the last time you operated in one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit? Now, for many, you may have to look back a little ways. Some people may not even know what their gifting is at all. And if that is the case, how can we be called faithful with something that God has given us if it is very seldom that we use it, if at all? We don't want to be like the man who went out and buried what God had given him. We want to be those who, who use it. So it's been a while since we've looked over the, the nine gifts. We're not going to try and get into them in all that great a detail. Just uh, trying to wake you, waking you up to the things that are here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, and if you've uh, studied this at all, you'll find out that the word gifts there is italicized, or it's inserted. He's really writing now concerning spirituals, or some places may put it now concerning spiritual things. Not particularly gifts, but that's certainly one of the things that we're looking at here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, he wants you to know. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. One of the things they were running into is that people were following after the giftings of the Holy Spirit the same way they followed after things of the idols. Then they were not differentiating between the things of the Spirit of God and the things of a wrong spirit. And so there wasn't a whole lot of difference between what they did before and what they're doing now. Now we've got to be careful of that because there are some some places in the church that this is very similar. We're not discerning the Spirit of God. We're following after any spirit. But he says, speaking by the Spirit of God, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to proclaim the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You may say some things that, that seem like that, but you're not going to proclaim the Lordship of Jesus Christ by the by the things that you do. You have, you have some politicians now who think, for some of them, it's an in thing to um, to proclaim Jesus or the, the God. They won't say Jesus; they'll just say God. But then you look at the way they live their life, and the way they live their life, that's not the not the same thing that they said with their mouth. They're not going to be able to do it. In verse four: There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. This word here, diversities, is the same word all three times, though it's translated differences one time. I think they're just trying to mix it up. But it's the exact same Greek word. The only time this Greek word appears in the New Testament is here. At least in this, uh, this noun form. We have these three times that it's used. It means divisions and distributions. It's basically taking something larger and breaking it down. In in ancient Greek, it was used as far as medical procedures was concerned it was to describe surgeries, dissections. In the economic world, it was uh, dividing and distribution of money. In language, you can see this being used in the area of grammar or breaking down a speech into an outline. So that's the idea. If it's taking something larger... And breaking it into parts. And so that's what he's doing here. He's taking something long, larger, the, the, the things of the Spirit, and breaking it down into part. Here he's getting into the giftings of it, and they're, 
as far as the giftings is concerned, he broke that down into parts. So there are diversities of gifts, there are diversities of ministries, and there are diversities of activities. But it is the same Lord and the Holy Spirit behind each. So that means the traits and the characteristics of how we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, in the activities of the Spirit, in the ministries of the Spirit, is going to resemble the traits of the Father. If we operate in something in the gifts of the Spirit that doesn't resemble the Father, we're not operating in the things of the Spirit because it is the same Lord, it's the same Holy Spirit who is behind them. That's what he's saying. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. How many people here are in each one? That would be each one of us, isn't it? Now look at this. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now it's important to note. Don't separate seven from eight. Four to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. So to each one, something is given. To each one, something is given. For To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Different gift, but same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. So he's showing you the diversities, but again, it's the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of, of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So He's going to distribute to who? Each one. Individually as He wills. Go back to the parable we started this on. And Jesus is talking about the talents. And he, he distributed each one according to their abilities. So to one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one based on their abilities. When he gives out these, it's based on ability, it's based on the calling, it's based on as he wills. Now let's take a look at these, referred to as the nine gifts of the Spirit. As they have been broken down for me, I've broken them down for you this way, we put them in three groups. The first group is the vocal gifts. First of that being prophecy. Prophecy is to proclaim truth for God. This is where you proclaim the truth for God. It is manifested in teaching. If you go and you teach, whether you're behind a pulpit and teach, or whether you're teaching a group of people, or whether you're teaching one person individually. There's still an anointing to teach that will come on there. And prophecy will come on in that there will be a proclaiming of some truth for God. But it's by inspiration by God. You'll see this manifested in prayer. That sometimes when you're praying, up in your spirit will come things in the area of prophecy. And the Word of God defines prophecy as those things that are edifying. Those things that are for edification. Those things that are for enlightenment. This is what prophecy will do. The simple gift of prophecy does not involve predicting the future. Reminding you of things in the past. That you would have a specific understanding of something that happened in the past. The simple gift of prophecy. The way that we're supposed to be operating in it. Involves encouragement. Enlightenment. It does not have to get into some... The uh, spooky area where I, I don't know this, but except, uh, you know, I, I think that you had this happen to you. That's something different. The simple gift of prophecy is when God may quicken to you a verse of scripture to go up to someone and to encourage them with that scripture. Sometimes you may go up to me and say, I feel the Lord telling me. And sometimes you don't. You do not have to preface it with, I feel the Lord telling me. Sometimes you just go up to them and say, can I share a verse of scripture with you? And you just share that verse of scripture. Don't have to make it anything spooky or or uh, super spiritual. You just go up there and, and share it with them. Sometimes you, you you catch somebody's eye across the room, and up in your spirit comes a uh, something to say to encourage them. Just to go up to them and say, and you, you just bless them with something. 
Do you know that God has a calling for you? See, you just go up and remind them of things like that. You did that by the unction of the Holy Spirit. He came up and, and told you to do it. But you don't have to always go out there and proclaim it to people. You don't have to just say, well, the Spirit of God is telling me to pass this on to you. But this is what prophecy is. You're going to see this in teaching, prayer, and just in general conversation. You may be having a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden, the spirit of prophecy would come over you and you would say some things and you'll look back and say, where did I get that from? Where did that come up from? And it came up from the spirit of prophecy that came up on the inside of you. But you see, you've got to be willing to operate in it. And when God gives you something, you've got to be willing to speak it. It'll help out a whole lot. If we don't always feel like I have to go up and say, I feel God saying, I feel God doing, just go up and, and proclaim it. You don't have to say, I have this verse for you. You can just go up to him and say, read the verse of Scripture. Simply, something simple as that. Again, it's for the profit of all. That's what our focus is. It's not to elevate you in other people's eyes. It is for the profit of all. So that's the first area. The vocal gifts, that's prophecy. We'll get more into this as we, we go along here. Second is tongues. That's speaking in a known or an unknown tongue. You may speak something that may come across to you as English or the language that you know, or it may come across to you as spiritual tongues. But someone else may hear it differently. We saw that in the book of Acts, that each person understood them in their own language. Sometimes you'll speak something and it'll be in your own language. I've heard many times in a, in a meeting that somebody got up and gave a word of tongues, but somebody was sitting in the congregation and heard it in their language and they spoke a message directly to them. That's God. They may not have known that they were speaking a message directly to them. Probably didn't. That's all right. You just get up and you do what God says to do. There's also the interpretation of tongues. That's why after somebody gives a message in tongues, you have the interpretation of it. The, the congregation will not benefit from a word in tongues in general unless there's understanding. The Word of God teaches us. So someone comes along and says, this is the interpretation of that tongue. I've heard people refer to this who, uh, who have operated in it, that the interpretation is not a translation. It's an interpretation. It's not a word-for-word translation. It is, this is what was being said. So, you may have a short word of tongues and a longer word of interpretation, or vice versa. Don't feel that they have to match up. So, those are the, those are the vocal gifts. There's the revelation gifts that come. This is the word of knowledge. This is the first one. The word of knowledge involves revelation knowledge concerning past or current events. You have no way of knowing that this has gone on. It is something past or something current. That God spoke to you and told you some things that were happening. But you have no way of knowing it. There's a case, there's many cases for this in the scripture. I crossed out the reference I gave you and I wrote in this one, John 1, 47 through 48. If you want to turn over there, we'll read that. But there's also the woman at the well. When Jesus was at the woman, at the well with the woman, he spoke some things to her. Go call your husband. I have no husband. Well, you said that correctly. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. That was a, that was a word of knowledge. He had no way of knowing that. The Spirit of God revealed it to him. In John chapter 1 verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now that impressed Nathanael. But you see, Jesus didn't know these things because he was there. He knew them because the Spirit of God was in operation. That is the, uh, the word of knowledge. And he spoke this particular thing out. Now, some people today would call that a prophecy. It's not a prophecy. It was a word of knowledge. That was God who had spoken to him what had gone on, and he spoke it out. And so there are other cases of this in the Word of God as well. 
The next one was the word of wisdom. This is revelation knowledge concerning future events. <clears throat> the, word, the word of wisdom is revelation knowledge concerning future events. You'll see this manifested in areas of prayer. Sometimes you're praying for something, for someone, situation, and up in your spirit comes a uh, some words about things to come. Where'd that come from? I don't understand that. That's the manifestation of the word of wisdom. There is, we'll see this in intercession and supplication. Whether we're interceding for another person or making supplication for them. In general activity, you may be going through, just minding your own business, and then all of a sudden you see something that is about to come. Not necessarily with your physical eyes, but it comes up in your spirit. I'm going to read a couple of uh, sections here from Acts 27, verse 9. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. That's a perception. That's something he, he picked up in his spirit. It was a word of wisdom. Now understand, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, it's a word, it's not the entire thing. I don't know everything that was going on there. I just know what God shared with me. And that's all as I can, all that I can say is that word. It's not necessarily for you to, to draw all the conclusions for all the other stuff. You take the word that God gave you and you speak that out. Don't sit there and try and figure it all out. Sometimes people, they try and figure it out. Well, what God must be saying this to me for this reason. If God gave you a word of wisdom and it involves someone else, just tell them what God told you. Don't mess it up. Don't be adding extra stuff to it. Just say this is what it was. Look at, look at Paul says. He could have, he could have added to this. He simply says, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. He understood it was a perception. And so if he did not get up there and say, if we leave, we're all going to die. I know this by God. He didn't say that. He said it exactly as it was. I perceive. I'm just, I'm picking this up in my spirit. I perceive that this is what's going to happen. Well, later on, verse 21, but after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them. They had been in the storm for a few weeks. Paul initially got the perception before they left. They've been in the storm now for a few weeks. <clears throat> Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong, whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Well, he is obviously praying for them. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must un run aground on a certain island. Now, if you remember the rest of the story, there was a time when the soldiers were going to uh, try and get off the boat and leave on the, the little small ship. And Paul saw them doing that. He says, don't do it. You got to stay on the ship. And so they cut the thing loose and they believed what Paul had said. But Paul was very good at saying exactly what God said to him. And there's other cases in the Word of God where this can go on to. If we were looking at more in depth into the Word of Wisdom or the Word of Knowledge, we would spend more time in that just trying to get you an idea of what these things are. So God may speak these things to you. And if God speaks them to you, then you speak them out. And you, you, you say what's going on. Now, here he had the perception about this, but now he's praying about it. Father God, we're in the midst of a storm. And God showed him some things. And in the word of knowledge, sometimes that will come to you as you are praying about a situation. Daniel, in the, in the, the book he wrote, he uh, understood from the scriptures when the time was fulfilled for the children of Israel to be in captivity. And so he sought after the Lord. And in that seeking after the Lord, the Lord sent him an answer. That sometimes that word of knowledge will come because you are seeking after something. And God sends that revelation to you. That understanding of what it is to come. Understand exactly how he said it. Don't add to it. Don't interpret it. 
Don't put your stamp on it. If God spoke something to you, you say it exactly the way that God spoke it to you. If it is merely a perception, you pass it off as a perception. I'm just, I'm getting this in my spirit. I don't know. I'm just feeling in my spirit. I perceive in my spirit and you say as it is there. Because if you don't, and people who don't, when you say things, this is from God, people are going to discount it. Because yeah, they've said that before too. It didn't happen that way. You don't need to add anything. If God only gave you a perception, that's all you need is a perception. If He spoke a word to you, that's all you need is the word He spoke to you. If He has an angel show up and speak some things to you, then that's what you need. It was an angel to show up and to speak some things to you. Don't add anything to it. Just make it as as it is. Now the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, it comes to those people for whom God has decided it would come to. And it comes as He wills. It's not as you will. Now we've talked about some of the things that are done in the area of prophecy. And it's unfortunate because of all the areas of the gifts of the Spirit, as we get on into, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 here, of all those things that are, that are spoken about, prophecy is where most people are going to start. And so what happens is the devil has come along to try and pervert it. It's important for him to pervert prophecy even more so than anything else. Because if he can pervert prophecy and get you to walk in something that is not godly prophecy, to follow after a wrong spirit, then you will never start in the nine gifts of the Spirit because you have never been found faithful in them. You've been unfaithful, and how can God give you more if you haven't been faithful? So the idea of the enemy is to, is to pervert it. And so that's where you have these groups, and they're prophesying over chairs and clocks and, and uh, pieces of furniture. And they actually do that. You won't see them here. In this place, we won't bring them in. But there are people that do that. And they say it's all for the purpose of getting you ignited, getting you started, where you have to start somewhere. No, start where God says to start. Don't start where some people say to, to start. They try and get you to start calling forth some things in the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. You need to proclaim some things. I feel like this happened to you. But you see, just because you know that something happened does not mean it was for God. Because the Word of God speaks about familiar spirits. He said, try the spirits. Test them. Make sure that they're of God. Because if I get used to taking a familiar spirit and they speak to me and they tell me something about this person's life and I speak that over them, I have now started myself in a direction of going in a wrong way. And it's very hard for me to get straightened out after that. It's a purpose. There's a reason why the enemy has perverted prophecy more so than anything else of the nine gifts of the Spirit. He has brought things in into prophecy that this is not where you are supposed to start. If you're going to start in the area of prophecy, follow what the Word of God says. Go after encouragement. Go after enlightenment. Go after the things that He says to do. Don't be going after these other things. Don't be trying to mix in the Word of Knowledge into your prophecy or the Word of Wisdom into your prophecy. And to begin to speak things out. Some people have tried to do this. They've they've started out in the area of prophecy and they start to, I see God doing this in your future. And you got to be careful with that. you got to know that it's God. These two stories that I showed you here in the, of Paul, really important for you to understand. One is a perception. One is a spoken word. And he said each one as it was. All right, let's keep on going. Here's a, the other one, discerning of spirits. Sometimes people have, have uh, called this the gift of discernment. I'm sure you've all heard how many people have heard the gift of discernment. There is no gift of discernment in the Word of God. Pretty much what that is is the gift of being critical. That's not the Word of God. The gift of discern, uh, discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits is the ability to see into the spirit realm. You may know or may think that a spirit is involved. And we're not talking about that. I'm talking about you can see into the spirit realm. I've heard, I've not walked in this, but I know people who have. I've heard them talk about it. 
and they can see. And every time I've ever heard anyone speak about seeing into the spirit realm and they see one of these demon spirits, none of them are intimidating looking. They're generally small, weak looking, and back down as soon as you use the name of Jesus. But they don't want you to think that. But here in this story, in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, <laughs> turned and said to the spirit, now, just because you're greatly annoyed and say something doesn't mean you're doing it by God. But here he was. He does not say it to the girl. He says it to the Spirit. How does he say it to the Spirit? Because he suddenly sees into the Spirit realm and sees the Spirit. He says to the Spirit. This is why he didn't do it before. He didn't see into the Spirit realm. This particular time he did. He saw the Spirit that was there. He didn't have it in his in his uh, spirit to go after it before. But he did here. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now why didn't he just take authority over the spirit before? Well, the people that were over her, they didn't want the spirit gone. And probably up until this time, this girl didn't want it gone. So you can't just stick your nose into a situation where people don't want the Spirit gone and just because you're a child of God just cast the devil out. But if you are given supernatural insight and you can see the Spirit involved, well, God just declared His will in this thing. And all you got to do is follow after that. God says, there's a way out on this thing. Now you see it, speak to that Spirit. Cast that thing out. And, and you can do that. I heard a story about uh, um, one particular minister. Brother Hagin used to tell us this story. He said there was this one church he would go into. And uh, I believe he knew the pastor somewhat well. And he would go into this church. And he said, uh, you'd go in there beforehand, all anointed. Just seeing all kinds of things God wanted to do. Get in there. And he said, it's just uh, like a bucket of cold water just thrown on you. He couldn't preach there at all. And so, uh, uh, this pastor eventually talked to him about it and said, yeah, yeah, I, I felt that same thing. But he had invited him back and Brother Hagin came in and, and uh, it was just completely different. Completely, he was able to, to preach. There was no cold water being thrown in. He was just able to, to let it go and that annoying just kept growing. And so he, the pastor asked me, he said, did you, see, did you feel anything different? He said, oh yeah, I sure did. It's like night and day. It was so much, so much better. What's the difference? And he says, well... He said, I felt that too. And so um, and for a while I was praying and fasting and seeking after God on this thing. And one of these days I was just up in the church and I just kind of laid back down on the stage praying in the spirit. And I was looking up into the, into the ceiling and all of a sudden the ceiling disappeared. It was gone. And I could see right into the attic. And in that attic there was this small impish looking thing. Most people describe it like a monkey. And he saw it up in there. And when I saw that, I stood up. And I looked again. And sure enough, I was, it was still there. He said, I blinked my eyes. I shook my head. Looked back up. It was still there. He says, you come down in the name of Jesus. And that thing just jumped down on the stage. And he looked at that thing. He could tell it didn't want to go. But he spoke to it. He said, in the name of Jesus, you get out of here. And this thing kind of uh, walked back to the, the the back of the church, back door of the church, and he was walking on out, and he kind of turned back around. I said, I said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And all of a sudden, he just took off running and ran out of the church. And he followed him out to the back of the door, and he, he, he looked at him, and he said he saw it go down the road and into a bar. He said the next day, that bar burned down. But he said, ever since that day, preaching was easy. But you see, he had to get that supernatural insight and the ability to see into the spirit realm. See, it's not a discerning of, 
uh, a gift of discernment, a gift of seeing what's wrong with somebody. That's not what it is at all. It's the ability to see into the spirit realm. I've had people describe this for people have come up in the, in the meeting for healing, for uh, uh, deafness. And as they're getting ready to pray over, over them for, for this, all of a sudden the person who's praying sees into the spirit realm. And they said, every time I've heard it described, and I've heard it described by many different people, they say they see this small, impish, monkey-looking thing sitting on the shoulder of the person with their finger in either one ear or the other or both. And when they saw that, well, they took authority over it. In the name of Jesus, you get your hands off those ears. Cast them down. Cast them off. See, they weren't possessed by the demon spirit. The demon spirit was was on their shoulder, not in them. It was on their shoulder plugging up their ear. And they they cast it off. And all of a sudden, all at once, I can hear. Just like that. See, that's the ability to see into the spirit realm. That will happen when we expect it, when we put ourselves in a position to, to do that. That's the gift of the discerning of spirits. Beyond that, we have the power gifts, called the power gifts. The Word of God doesn't call them these categories, but we, we've categorized them. The first one is faith. The ability to see what is going to happen as if it has already occurred. It hasn't happened yet, but in the gift of faith, you pray in such a way that you've already seen it happen. Case for that would be in Acts chapter 20 and verse 9. And in a certain window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story, was taken up dead. Fell down from the third story window. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embraced him, and said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. He's still laying on the ground. It hasn't changed. It's not like he's saying his life is in him. And something changed in the young man. Nothing changed. But you see, Paul proclaimed it. He saw through the eyes of faith, it's already done. And he went on. Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a while, a long while. So he's already gone past midnight. This guy's already fallen asleep in the service. And Paul kept on talking. Even till daybreak. Talk about a long service. Now when he had come up, broken bread and eaten, talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforted. It doesn't happen right away. But he saw it happen. He said, don't worry about it. This is all taken care of. He prayed. He saw it through the eyes of faith. That's the gift of faith. When this gift of faith comes upon you, you're able to pray for things without any doubt at all it just rises up on the inside of you. And it doesn't matter if the people are dead. You're not going to be stopped. That's the gift of faith. That's not something that occurs all the time. But in these particular situations, it is. The gift of healings. This is power to heal certain kinds of diseases or to see healing manifested in certain ways. Sometimes you'll hear people have a gift of healing in the area of uh, backaches or um, uh, broken bones or just different things with cancers. It just seems that the, the, the Spirit of God works through them uh, for cancer more so than, than other things. It just They just begin to... They just lay hands on sick people. And all of a sudden, it seems like all the ones that have this, this uh, uh, sickness, they get healed. So easy. Well, there's a gift of healing they're tapping into for that. Doesn't mean that's all they should do. It just means in this area, there's a gift of healing. So when you hear somebody who gets up and they say, yeah, we're going to pray for the sick and we're going to pray for all the sick. But in particular, if you have this particular thing and they say, God has gifted me in this area. Well, see, that can build up your faith in that area. It's, oh, I've got that. I'm going to go in there and not just tap into the general area of faith. I'm going to tap into the gift of healings. So certain kinds of diseases are one. And there's certain ways 
that this, these things would manifest. In Acts chapter 5, verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid their, laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. So that's a, that's a special gift right there. A special gift of healing. How many of you would like to have a shadow anointing? I mean, they just, they, they're expecting it. They know if your shadow touches, this is going to happen. So we're, we're lining up. It's not like he got a word of knowledge and said, I'm going to do this thing. It's just all of a sudden he's out there ministering to people and the very shadow touched and people got healed. <gasps> Did you see that? It was just a shadow. He didn't even lay hands on him yet. It's just a shadow. And after a while, it happened a few more times where people started to get excited about this. Just like I did with Jesus, I just had to touch the hem of his clothes and I got healed. They saw the, the shadow. And so they said, let's get ready for this. Let's just start lining people up on the side of the road so that Peter will walk on by and the shadow of Peter will go by them and they'll be healed. The Word of God tells us that with Paul, that special manifestations of healing came at the hands of Paul. And it says, so that even cloths were taken from his body. And they were taken to the to those who had demon who were demon possessed or who were sick. And the demons would flee and the sickness would go. Now we're not going to take time into this, but um I've uh, heard brother Rick Renner minister on this and it is even more shocking to what you read in that verse what Paul is actually saying. Even more shocking than than what you read in there. But we don't have time to get into all that today. But as as astounding as you think that is, it's even more astounding when you find out. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll see if we're still into this next week. But I want to make sure we get to the whole the whole gist of this. But here's here's the special thing that cloths were taken from his body. He'd carry them around while he was preaching, and then he'd uh, he sent them out. But this was a, a special manifestation. Unfortunately, today in the body of Christ, we treat this as laying on of hands. We look at it as the same way. We've taken it away from the spe- special manifestation. The Word of God does not say He would do this all the time. But on certain ones, this would be. But then you find other ministers, well, we're going to do the same thing and we're going to have cloths. I've even seen some places they sell cloths in the store that you can buy and then you bring them on up and then the minister will lay hands on them or do things with them and, and send you one off of them. That's that's not right. Brother Rick Renner wrote a book called one time called Merchandising the Anointing. It's an old book. You may not be able to <laughs> you may you may be able to find it. I think you probably could. Uh, but he talks about things like this. Merchandising the anointing. Yeah, we're not to, uh, not supposed to be doing that. Now see if, if the Spirit of God works, and I'm not saying it was only going to be something for Paul. Just like the shadow anointing is not just for Peter. These are special manifestations of healings that would work through them. And there are going to be other people that are going to have that anointing that if they touch cloths, that those cloths are going to go out and do some things. But it's not like laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is given to all believers. But special cloths was called in the Word of God a special manifestation. In fact, it even elevates a little bit above special manifestation because he said special manifestations were on Paul. Even that. (laughs) So this was not anything that was normal or to be copied. But certainly God would continue to minister. If he did it in Paul's day, he's going to do it in our day. And there are going to be some people who are going to have that anointing. But don't treat it lightly. So this is a gift of the Spirit. Healing. Special special, uh, gifts of healings and the the word is plural it might be a manifestation it might be certain kinds of diseases if somebody gets up and says i've had i've seen many people that were blind healed when we prayed for them well that's a a gift of a special manifestation is there a gift of healing that is on them take advantage of it don't sit back there and say well, I've been believing God and my faith is good enough. No. I mean, it's one thing to get there. You can get there through faith. But if you've got a special gift of healing, oh man, that's even better. You know, if you're going to go out and put uh, and build a house 
and you've got a hammer and nails, you can get some work done, can't you? It'll, it's, it's long, it's hard, uh, but that hammer will get those nails put in. But what if you showed up with a, with a nail gun? Then all you have to do is point and shoot. Well, now it's going to be a whole lot faster to, to be able to do that. There's a, there's a special gift of, of, of healing that is there. You know, when we, we have to go out and we, um, we, we set up bunk beds and things like that. We have, um, uh, th- there's two ways that you can tighten these things up. One is by hand. In which you take a little Allen wrench, stick it in there and wind it all on, on up. And I was delivering one yesterday. And normally a, um, a bunk bed, it, uh, it has 32 bolts in it. 32 bolts that you gotta take and tighten up. This one was a, was a much bigger one because it had twice as many as the 32. So it had 64. And then above that there was another 16 because they got another part to it. So we had 16 plus 64. That's, uh, 80. 80 bolts to put in. And to, uh, and to drive in. Now if you're doing that with a little hand Allen wrench, That's going to take you a long time. But how much better is it to get a nice cordless cordless uh, drill and put the bit in the cordless drill and just go zip? Oh, that's a whole lot better. That's a lot nicer. You see, your faith will get it done. But when you have a gift that's involved, it gets it done even better. It cuts through some things that that uh, your faith wasn't able to cut through. Some unbelief that was there. That your, your faith wasn't cutting through. Boy, I'll tell you what, you get into those gifts of the Spirit, it'll just cut through some stuff. That's what you want, want to tap into. So that's the, that's the gift of healings. Then there's the working of miracles. This is the power that seems to alter or change the natural laws. This is miracles. This is different from healings. This is different from faith. This is the working of miracles. If you want to go back in the Old Testament, when Moses put his arm out over the, the water and the, and the Red Sea parted, that is a miracle. It does not normally happen. When he struck the rock and water came out of the rock, that doesn't normally happen when you hit rocks. That is a, that's a miracle. That's something above what usually goes on. When Jesus had the water in the, in the uh, stone uh, containers and it turned into wine, that's a miracle. That doesn't normally happen. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. That's a miracle. That's not something that normally happens. Normally when people stand on water, they sink. That's just the way things go. But this is a miracle. When you see the working of miracles, the gift of the working of miracles, this is something that comes upon someone in which they're able, when, when God shows them what to do, they're able to alter what normally would happen. Moses was one who, who walked in these kind of things. Jesus was certainly one who walked in these kind of things. Working of miracles. Let's go on. I didn't put these in your, in your outline, but let's uh, continue on here in Corinthians. I meant to. Let's just uh, keep on going here for a while. For as the body is one, it has many members. But all the members of the one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one Spirit. Again, we don't have Jews and Greeks. We don't have different... There's just people. To God, there's just people. There's there's saved people. There's unsaved people, but there's people. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. A body of Christ is made up of many different members. Each member does something different. Verse 15, that the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? So putting this in other terminology, if you say, boy, look at that working of miracles. I, if I was a working of miracles person, I would be part of the body. 
but I'm not. No, don't do it. Don't say that. Not everybody is supposed to be a working of miracles person. Not everybody is supposed to be a gift of healings person. Not everybody is supposed to be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom person. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be, where would the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would that, where would the body be? So the body is the body because of the many members that are in it. And so we take advantage of the members that are there. Oh, so-and-so has this particular gift. So-and-so has this particular ministry. So-and-so has this particular thing working through them. I'm going to go tap into that. I need, I need that. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now why would people in the body of Christ say, I have no need of you? It's simple. Because they do something that aggravates our flesh. Because they do something that we don't agree with. Because they have an attitude that we don't particularly like. Because somehow I have passed judgment upon them that they're not faithful. Or they're no good. Or something about them is not right. And so instead of helping them out, we've written them off. And we say, I have no need of you. He says, no, don't do that. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Hmm. The ones that are weaker are necessary? And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. God's purpose, God's view, and God's will is this, that we as members of the body don't look at another member of the body and say, I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't like you. You have no great place in the body. I'm going to hide you. They're not going to say that. We're going to look at the body and, and see the good that they bring in. We should have the same care for one another. If we op- operate in any way that puts down other members of the body and takes away their effectiveness, takes away their ministry, I'm not having the heart of God. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. How many of y'all know when one member suffers, there's some suffering going on. Isn't that right? When you get, uh, when you get damaged, when you get hurt some, sometimes, you, uh, you feel it. I was, uh, when I was out there delivering a bunk bed yesterday, I was, uh, pulling off a piece of MDF. That's a big, big sheet of stuff. And I slid it off. And it unfortunately was coming off with a little bit of force. And hit another uh, smaller piece of MDF. The the big piece hit the smaller piece, and my little finger was in the way. Now, what was funny about it is I was pulling it off, and I I heard it. I I heard it, and I, I said, "Oh, that is not a good sound." <laughs> and so I looked down at my finger, and I could see, "Yep, that got that finger." It wasn't bleeding at the time, but I could tell it got that finger. But what was really odd was I wasn't feeling it. I didn't feel it. I was looking at that and says, man, that should hurt. I actually thought that. Like that, that should, that should hurt. I really couldn't feel it much. And, um, it started, you know, I got to the point where it was bleeding and it was bleeding all over the bed and it was bleeding on my pants and it was bleeding in different spots. Didn't have any place to wrap it up, but it wasn't hurting. It was really odd. I don't know if I just smashed it so bad that it just <laughs> it just couldn't hurt anymore. But generally, when you hurt a, a a part of you, I mean, you you feel it. If you hurt one of your fingers or or one of the other, it it's not it's not common for that to happen. But sometimes we are hurting other parts of the body and pretending like we don't feel it. 
But you see, God feels it. We shouldn't be out there hurting other parts of the body. I shouldn't be out there talking down about other parts of the body. I shouldn't be out there speaking against the gifting that they have. Okay, they're not, they're not fluent in it yet. They're not as good as they ought to be in it yet. But, but me talking them down doesn't help them. See, sometimes we've gone out there and we've hurt other parts of the body, but we don't feel it. And we don't think it odd. But it is odd. We should be feeling it. You see, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Now think about this. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Now the fact that I smashed my finger and I was not suffering didn't mean there wasn't any problem. There, there was blood. <laughs> there was, I was trying to you know, keep it so that it doesn't um, bleed all over poor person's room that was there. But um, that's what he says here. If one member suffers, all of them suffer. All the members suffer. See, some of the suffering, folks, that we have going on is because of the way we have treated other parts of the body. But we're not associating that just yet. I'm not realizing that because of the way I've treated this part of the body over here, it is causing me to suffer. I don't associate my suffering with that. Now, most times, if you bang your finger like I bang my finger and it hurt, we would associate. Well, I banged my finger. I hurt it. And that's why I'm suffering. But you see, we haven't made that distinction. And so, I feel like my suffering has nothing to do with the suffering I'm putting other people through. And so I keep on going out and I speak poorly about the brothers and sisters in the body. I talk down the ministry that they have. And I don't realize this is part of my suffering. Well, is it in the Word of God or not? If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? The implication there is that not all will have a gift of healing. Not all will have miracles. Not all will be teachers. Not all will be apostles. Not all will speak with tongues. Not all will interpret. But he says, verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Well, what are the best gifts? For many people, the best gifts are those that bring me honor. And we can picture ourselves operating in the gift of faith. The working of miracles. Oh, what people would think of me if I am working miracles. If I'm raising people up from the dead. If the gift of faith is in me. But see, the prophet is not for you. The prophet is for all. And if I harbor feelings of how great it's going to make me look, am I being faithful to God? If I put down other members and the gifts that they have, when God has said when one member suffers, all the members suffer, am I being faithful to God? Am I following after what God says to do? If I take my gift and I bury it and I don't, I don't operate in it. Am I being faithful to God? If I take my gift and I operate in it in a perverse way, I don't check out the spirits and the things that are, that are being said to me and I just speak them out. Am I being faithful to God? But if I take the gift that God has given me, and I do as God had told me. And again, prophecy is a, is a big area. Turn over to, to chapter 14. Verse 1, I think I put that in your outline for you. First couple of verses here. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire. A lot of people desire love, but pursue spiritual gifts. He doesn't say to do that. He says pursue love. That's what you're pursuing. Pursuing. Pursue love and desire. 
spiritual gifts. But that's what your pursuit is. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why does he say that? For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Of course, they were having problems in the area of tongues. Everybody was speaking in tongues. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Well, didn't he just get done saying that not everyone operated in the gift of healing? And that here he says, I desire that you all prophesy. You see, the area of prophecy is an area that most people can get started in. If you operate the way the Word of God says. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's where prophecy is. Don't mix in the Word of Knowledge. And the word of wisdom unless God gives it to you. But the first thing you got to do is be faithful with what God has given you. And one of those things he says to, to desire is prophecy. And prophecy is to go up to people and to speak things to them. And to say encouraging words. Words of comfort. Words of exhortation. These are words that are, these are good words. They're not rebukes. These are good words. These are words that will, that will encourage people. And this is what I need to do. I need to, to, to desire to operate in these areas. Which means, when I get in around a group of people, God, I am ready to speak whatever it is that you want me to speak. And I listen. And again, you don't have to go out and say, thus says the Lord. I don't have to say, I feel that God is telling me to pass this on to you. I just simply go up and say, whatever encouraging word the Lord has given me to say. What has God told you to say to them? And just give them that encouragement. Speak that word that was there. And give that to them. If God gives you the impression to go in a, a direction and to, and to say, thus says the Lord, or to, well, God told me to, to share this with you, then go ahead, but don't feel like you have to. Because sometimes that elevates it to a level that, that doesn't need to be in. Just go up and, and speak comfort to them. Exhortation to them. This is something we can look at all the time. It is amazing to me how many people in the body of Christ will get a word of rebuke, will get a word of correction, and get a word of criticalness on a regular basis. And we'll speak that out. Well, I don't think brother or sister so-and-so should be doing that. Well, if I were them, I wouldn't be. Well, I don't think it's right that they, we continually speak out words of criticalness. But we don't speak out words of edification. You see, the way, the way for God, this is His way. Paul even says it right here. I want you all to speak words of prophecy. I want you to get it so that it's constantly coming out of you. Words of comfort. Words of exhortation. Words of encouragement. I want that to be coming out of you all the time. Not words of being critical. Being judgmental. You see, because that pulls us into a place where we are not extending mercy. And yet I want to receive mercy. It pulls me into a place where I'm not extending grace. But I want to receive grace. This is not the things we ought to be doing. Same grace that I want to receive from God, I need to extend to other people. When I'm at work, what is the Spirit of God telling me to speak to the people that are there? What's, what's going on? Because I'll have words for you. If you will listen to him, he will have words for you to speak. But you've got to be ready. And understand, these are not always words that are going to come to people that are nice to you. I'll leave you with this story. 
There was a person who was in a restaurant. I forgot who the person was. I know if I said the name, you would know it, but I just can't think of the, the name of, of the minister. And they were at a restaurant, and the person gave them terrible service. It was just a horrible service. And at the end, they um, they left a $100 tip on the table and just walked out of the restaurant. And this person, this waitress, was so moved by that, she came running out of the restaurant to them and said, I'm sorry, you made a mistake. You, I know you didn't mean to give me this. I gave you terrible service. I was rude. And the minister, whoever who was, he turned to him and says, no, I meant it. He said, I, I believe he said something along this line. You seem like you were having a hard day. And the Spirit of God told me to give that to you. Now see, folks, that's a prophecy right there. Well, right there in that parking lot, that poor, poor girl broke down and told about how hard that particular week had been and all the things that had gone on and that this just meant so much to her. See, that's a, that's a word of encouragement, isn't it? This is how we need to be operating. You see, if I am faithful in these areas of prophecy, in these areas of giving encouragement, comfort, if I am faithful in these areas, God will see that and say, this is somebody we can use for something else. And something more is put upon me. But the gift of faith, the gift of working in miracles, the gift of discerning the spirits, the gifts of healings, these are ones I would certainly consider greater gifts. They're not going to come to you right off the bat. They're not just going to come to you because you desire them. You desiring them is going to cause you to operate differently. When you operate differently and you are faithful, God can then use you in these other areas. So how are you doing in the area of gifts? See, one of these gifts ought to be operating in your life right now because the Word of God says He gave to each one. I should be operating in some of these gifts, at least one. And again, it's not like it's just going to be one gift. Once you're faithful in, in prophecy, it, he's probably going to put something else on you. And you'll still be operating in that and also have the maybe the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. And you show some faithfulness with that. Now you start moving into some of the other areas. But you see those other ones come with greater responsibility. And people trying to put honor on you where it doesn't belong. And if you don't learn how to operate and put that honor back on God, it can be dangerous. But he says, desire the greater gifts. There are some gifts that are greater than others. But take the gift that you have and pursue it. See, each one of us can speak encouragement. Each one of us can speak enlightenment, comfort. Each one of us can do that. And Paul says, I desire that each one of you do this. I desire that each one of you get to a place where you just focus on what can I say to other people to encourage them, to enlighten them, to comfort them. What can I do? As we are faithful in these things, He is faithful with us. But if you look back on the last couple of weeks and you say, I can't really think of a time I operated in the gift of the of the Spirit. And I can't say we're being very faithful. Now, just change it. You can't go back and change what happened last week. But I can change what happens today and tomorrow. When the, when the enemy wants to stir up words of being critical, judgmental, words with no mercy and no grace, I resist them. I don't speak them. I don't think them like Chelsea was talking about. Certain things you don't think about. Don't think about them. Get them out of your thoughts. Don't ponder them. Think about good things. If you see somebody, a brother or sister, and they're not quite walking right, instead of being critical of them, begin to think about it. Father, what can I say to help that one in their walk? What kind of things can I do? What kind of things can I share with them to help them in where they're going?
Would you all stand with me? Father, I thank you that you have gifted each and every one, every single person here has a gift of the Holy Spirit. To each one, you have given. There are greater gifts. There are other gifts where we start. We can even take the simple gift of prophecy and turn it into an even greater gift than when we had it. Father, we want to follow after you. We don't want our gifting to be buried in the ground and not used so that when we get to heaven, God says, what did you do with it? But we want to be mindful of that gift that you gave us. We want to step out and do just as you said to do. So we thank you for the gift that you have given us. Thank you for the ministry that will go on and that we will do. Now with every head bowed, I ask all of you to pray this with me. Father God, I thank you for the gift in me. I thank you that every day I can be mindful of it and I will use it. I will be faithful with what you have given me. I will use what you have given me the way you intended. I love you. I love those whom you love. I will not speak critically. I will not be judgmental. I will not be mindful of things apart from you. I will operate in the gift that you have given me with everything I have. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Brother Victor.